Hello! Mr. Crack. Welcome to episode, whatever it is, of Turning Earth. Special episode. It is special. It's special because... Uh, first, first of 2019. First of 2019. And we're going to do a review of the year 2018. So 2018 was a hell of a year, folks. A rundown of everything that's happened. It's also special because it's two years now since me and Eric have started doing the podcast. It's yeah, which I was uh, shocked to realise yeah, when you told me the other day. The first actually. episode that me and Eric did together was in January 2017 and we did a review of 2016. Um, I need to go back and listen to that, actually. Yeah. Do, I yeah. remember it being good crack. So it was. Isn't it great crack? Yeah, and I think we had, uh, we had a baby with us at the time, Wheelene. Um, oh, my. <laughs> we're doing it in your living room. <laughs> yeah, the baby's not around this time. Um so yeah the, the the format hasn't changed much since then it's a bit less haphazard but um it's always a bit haphazard but yeah, slightly yeah. less this time though so what are we going to talk about this time actually before we get into the the nuts and bolts of the episode i suppose we should get the uh wee disclaimer out of the way which is that we are now sponsored by glushucht glushucht for global justice they're uh, an environmental justice ngo based in ireland. in ireland they get funding from the irish environmental network and they have very generously shared some of that funding with us to pay for our podcast hosting so we can now have all of our episodes online available to download so you can get our older episodes uh, on our SoundCloud page or through any podcast app, iTunes or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the disclaimer is that even though they are supporting us, they do not necessarily endorse every single thing that we might come out with yes. on the podcast. They are aiding us and abetting us as um, willing yeah. partners in crime, but they are not necessarily behind anything that we say that's Soros our opinions are our own <laughs> that uh, Soros thing was a joke just that yeah we're not really funded by Soros we've, I've actually never met the man I'm not even sure who he is or what he does to be honest I just hear he's just a guy with a lot of money basically some financier that's about it really yeah. that's the long and short of it but yeah we've we've a lot of things 2018 was it was a tumultuous year um we would we were discussing we we're going through this a lot recently. Me and you, Tommy, um, talking about the fact that like there's a lot of things for us to bring up about 2018, and there's some things that are good and some things that are bad and all that. But you know, the general uh, trends that we can make out from what we gather from the general trends throughout the year, um, there's the main thing we've noticed is that there's been a massive increase in general awareness and also action around issues yeah. around climate change and environmental issues it's becoming much more mainstream to to think about the environment and have it in your day-to-day thoughts and like, we need to do yeah. that we need to do like lots of things like this even cutting down on meat and stuff would have been unthinkable before we'll get we'll get to that of course but uh, there's been a lot of changes in the the psychology which is quite a positive thing overall in the overall kind of you know populations in general not necessarily yeah. governments and politicians there are the things being talked about in the mainstream now that a few years ago would have only been talked about very rarely in the mainstream press or not at all. Yeah. I would um, be very controversial, but now they're not considered. It's just accepted the yeah. basic certain damage and, and certain tenets of, of the damage of climate change, anthropomorphic climate change. Yeah, yeah. I was reading something recently by, uh, I think it was by a journalist called Rebecca Solonis, and she pointed out that there's stuff now becoming policy that five or ten years ago you would have been laughed at for even suggesting that it could ever be a government policy. Things like bans on plastic, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. and it's like slow going but things are happening and uh, traffic restrictions and stuff which we'll also come to later as well yeah, would and, have been unthinkable uh, before and just generally there seems to be a lot especially with stuff like Extinction Rebellion uh, in the UK which is spreading to here now and also the yellow vests in France some people say they're an anti anti-environmentalist protest but actually they're the complete yeah. opposite well well, recently um, they, they were demanding climate action recently yeah. was the most recent thing so there's definitely that's prop- a 
falsehood about them. Yeah, they want proper climate action and environmental justice, really, um, and just just equality, greater equality yeah. of opportunity and environmental justice for the population seems to be central to what they're looking for. Um, so things like that, there's just been a, a, a kind of an upsurge in action spurred Absolutely. on by things like the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report that came out in October. And uh, as we'll get on to in a minute, there's just been, uh, as with every year for the last few years, there's just a rake of reports, report after report coming out from various different ac- academies and universities and different NGOs on the severity of the situation. So that's like, that's yeah. that's finally starting to translate into some kind of action. Plus you also see it like drought. Yeah. In Ireland, by the way, that was the thing in 2018, drought in Ireland, which Amazing. is insanity. Two months we were officially in drought. Yeah. yeah. But you can see the whole world sees that extreme weather events are on the uptick. And if you if you statistically analyse it, you can see that it is overall on the uptick. I think 2018 was the fourth hottest year. And all the three hottest years, like on record in, in since recording began or whatever. Mm. But um, the other three hottest years then were the last three years previous, 2017 and 2016 and 2015. Not in that order necessarily. Yeah. So you can see the overall trend is very much in an upwards, and even yeah, though yeah. 2018 wasn't the hottest year, you know? So that's definitely uh, that's lighting a fire under people's arses, uh, literally and fi- figuratively. Yeah. Uh, but then the other kind of the trends that kind of jumped out at us throughout the year in terms of uh, just what was going on in the news, I suppose, you've got increased discussion about plastic um, yeah, plastic is not popular anymore now. I mean, it's everywhere, but and then a major increase in uh, conversations around animal farming and meat consumption and meat production. Um, yeah, and dairy as well. Yeah, which is tied into habitat loss and species extinction. Which there's also been an increased conversation around. Well, as well. there's also been that report just recently about the amount of meat um, reduction of intake that there needs to be. Something like eighty to ninety percent of the meat that includes the types of like beef and red meat and that kind of thing maybe a little bit not so bad with chicken and fish but still like a lot less than we do at the moment you know yeah, like yeah. an 80-90% reduction in most of those meats so it's going to be like a big change for like the lifestyle of a lot of people if you take that on board you know yeah but um, uh, that's them science folks yeah needs to be done got to be done but we can do it yeah, yeah. It's, all this all this stuff is possible it's just a case of getting the will behind it yeah but it's the overall trend definitely, you know, despite all the, the you know, the trajectory in terms of the, the climate is still not good, you know, mm. we're still, but the potential is there that there's an upswing in terms of awareness, which is what, what needed to happen up until this point, you know. We were also discussing that, and you pointed out yourself, Tommy, that that, that won't necessarily translate immediately into action by the likes of governments and the Leo Varadkars of the world. Well, Leo Varadkar is talking about he personally is going to eat less meat. But it's very clever because he's talking about what he's personally going to do. He doesn't talk about what he's going to do in his capacity yeah. as a leader of the country. It's kind of a distraction from what his party's actually doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I suppose now would be the time to get onto that. Let's see what... Uh, so as we said, there's been an increase in knowledge and an increase in action and appetite for action from the general population. But we can, we'll see now as we get through have a quick look through the news stories that came out in the year that there's still a huge kind of what do you call it there's like a there's definitely a gap as usual between what the majority of people want and need and what the government are actually doing and that'll become apparent as we kind of talk through the year and um, so we've kind of we split the episode up into kind of, well kind of vaguely split it up into three categories of land sea and sky so we'll be examining what went on in the land what went on in the sea and what's been going on in the sky and what those categories basically mean so land and sea we'll probably kind of be talking about together so we'll be talking about how in what ways have have humanity impacted upon and interacted with those environments our environment 
we live on the land, obviously. Well, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably live on the land. Um, we do. I do anyway. Um, yeah, in a house or something. Um, uh, but we obviously have an impact on the sea with our activity as well. And then the sky section, that's where we'll be talking about the climate, extreme weather, all that kind of Air quality, stuff. the amount of CO2, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that'll be it then. So I guess we'll crack on with the land so what's been going on on land this year well uh there's been uh, a or big last year should i say sorry yeah so there's been much more focus on the importance of changing how we with changing our meat system well basically producing an awful lot less meat yeah there was a, a report there just quite recently last month or so or two months ago i think telling us that we needed to cut down and i think 80 to 90 percent of the types of red meats like beef yeah. and uh pork and that kind of thing maybe maybe down to 20 percent chickens maybe not so much or a reduction of 70 80 percent of the likes of chicken and fish yeah. so we need to consume all of us just an awful lot less meat because the production of meat is by itself is even more being understood as even more of a driver in relate you know say than the the likes of like air pollution caused by planes and cars and that kind of thing yeah. it's possibly even the, the most important thing it's well, globally the worst. globally it is if you look at a uh, i think taking in the planet as a whole as a, as a, as a whole uh, aviation accounts for like 1% of global emissions whereas food production counts for 30% you know and animal farming is a huge yeah. percentage of that um, so we have all this knowledge now and there is like there's yeah increased conversation in the media and increased presence of the likes of it's mostly been driven by veganism um, the vegan movement which you know f- me and you would have our differences with sort of veganism as a political movement but as a religious you know, movement as as a religious <laughs> movement as a spiritual movement maybe as well but you know you have to give credit where it's due and the likes of Go Vegan World and different organisations like that like with Anton the reason that the government and mainstream media are starting to take notice is because people have put in years and years and years of grassroots organising and action um, so they played a huge part in, in, in kind of bringing that conversation to where it needs to be um, and like I said I wouldn't and I don't think you would either have any issue with consuming animals for sustenance in and of itself but the scale of which is happening is bad for everyone regardless of what your personal ethics are on the topic uh, it's something that needs to be cut down on big time um, uh, but let's look at it's what pro- the state are it doing it is producing even more than we realised we already knew it was producing a lot but it is the worst polluter so you know yeah. we need a systemic you know, level change there Yeah, and it's not just about climate change either of course it's not just about emissions it's about habitat loss land degradation uh, yeah, the mo- loss, it's a continuation yeah. of the monocrop culture. It's even a more kind of extreme kind of version of it in a sense. Yeah, yeah. But monocrop culture is bad. You know, you need you need the likes of like you need diverse ecologies to and old ecology and old trees and you know to in order to you know sequester CO two. I don't want to go off into other things to talk about. In order there, just but, to be healthy, basically, to have a healthy society and a healthy yeah. population, you, we need to deindustrialize agriculture, which I think is the thing. Yeah. Diversify and smart ways to produce, but lots of food, but it all in a in a diverse. Uh, non-profit driven kind of way you know yeah. and let's, let's have a quick look back on the year then in terms of what the state are doing so in january last year um the irish farmers association increased uh, or will show the general increase in their export export of live cattle uh, the minister michael creed uh, reduced export tax on cattle in that month to make this to facilitate this yeah or, um, yeah 
and then in June they were uh, it was drawn attention to the fact that they're they're involved in unlawful illegal cattle export to the UK, to the EU and to non EU countries. <laughs> um, Corruption. We need to take this much action on uh, on on changing our farming system. Fine Gael in government are doing the exact opposite. They want to increase animal production, uh, milk production yeah, yeah, by twenty twenty. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and here we see them. They're they're aiding and abetting the IFA, who arguably stand for the interests predominantly of big big farmers rather than little farmers. Of course they do. Well, who who else is there to stand for? Do you know? And that's just the model that's encouraged. It's very hard for anyone who's like a small scale farmer to stay in business now. It's all like you're either big yeah. or you're not there. Um, and again, in relation to how things are in this country, in February, I think the EPA released a report that the agri-food in- industry is doing worse than any other industry in the country in terms of its environmental impact. Yeah. Um, I think there's an exceptionalism. F- f- five of the top ten companies in their worst offenders list were from yeah. the agri-food industry. Um, it's like a, they they have immunity. Do you know what I mean in Ireland? Like just do what yeah. they want. It's just really like a really bad example that we need to just neutralize <laughs> immediately and to give an example of why 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 it's a bad industry um i mean we've talked before on the show about the about the emissions from cow farming but just for, as an example in july fifteen thousand fish were killed in a in a, an incident in tipperary um it's either due to pesticides or herbicides seeping into the waterways they're not sure but fifty thousand fish over a couple of days 000. died sorry fifteen thousand fifteen thousand um but that's five that's a serious amount of fish. When you consider that, as we'll get on to when we're talking about the sea, um, I think something like 48% of Irish marine life faces is like in the red. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And our rivers are, are similar, in a similar state of uh, the amount of species that have lost and are being lost at a rapid pace. So like, th- these are the kinds of things that are often considered kind of hippie issues, you know, caring about the animals. But even if you're, even if that doesn't just scare you in and of itself, what you need to understand is that if these other species die off, then it's only a matter of time before we go with them. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're part of the same ecosystem. No matter how much concrete we put between ourselves and it, we're part of it. There's a big kind of philosophical kind of disconnect or something with a lot of people that they think that they're, like, isolated and insulated from the rest of, you know, yeah. nature or whatever. But it's it's not a good way of... It's, it's, like, it's a big psychological barrier to break, basically. Yeah. It's a legacy of the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution that we think nature is something for us to control rather than that we're a part of it and if we harm it we're harming ourselves as well that's something yeah. that and spe- uh, speaking of that disconnect uh, another major thing from this year another major th- sort of story that emerged over the year was the conversation in the media around plastic and also action from the state or lack of action in Ireland's case on the issue of plastic um, I think a report came out earlier on in the year that Ireland is the biggest producer of plastic in the European Union um, really? Yeah, per per capita now. Sorry, per capita, we produce sixty one kilograms a year per person. In terms of rubbish of plastic, plastic waste. Yeah, that's the, ah. well, the biggest in the EU in terms of individual use. Consuming plastic, not 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 manufacturing plastic. Yeah, that's sorry. I was talking about plastic waste. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but we're the biggest producer of plastic waste rather than producer of plastic. <laughs> um, and why should we should we be worried about plastic? Well, why should we be worried about plastic, Tommy? Well. Because we end up bloody eating it and it's just part, yeah. it's everywhere. It so, is everywhere. Like I said, if we want to avoid the hippie issues because people don't care about animals, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think more people do than than is led on. But if you want to, if, if you need to understand some reason other than the animal's intrinsic worth, why it, plastic is bad. If the fish eat the plastic, which is in the oceans, it comes to our diet eventually. 
and plastic pollution there's like I think something like 70% of Ireland's beaches have like severe plastic pollution or some large percentage anyway that's from an EPA report that also came out earlier in the year Uh, but also is it Exeter Exeter University did a study in uh, (laughs) did a study Eric's making a funny face on me did a study in February this year on a a bunch of teenagers and a study group of teenagers a few few hundred kids or whatever and uh, something like 89% of them had BPA in their system BPA is a a chemical that leaches from plastic yeah when you told me about this I got very depressed and just I just I don't know just despair just despair it is sickening I mean BPA is in it's in all, all, all plastic basically. Any plastic bottles, any plastic that food is wrapped in contains BPA, and it's linked to um, hormone disruption and obesity and increasing your likelihood of various different diseases. Uh, so yeah, it was found in eighty percent, eighty nine percent of these teenagers, and um, they were then given a special diet to avoid it, yeah. like given certain foods that they were advised to eat, and after a week of following this strictly, they were able to reduce the amount of BPA in their system, but not get rid of it entirely. And most of them said that it was actually just almost impossible to follow the diet because it was nearly impossible to find food that wasn't in contact with plastic in some way. Um, so that's why we need to reduce less of it. And like, in terms of what the state are doing here, there what there is a, a, a bill has been introduced into the Dáil, uh, the Waste Reduction Bill, I think it's called, and there's a bunch of different pretty good policies in that that should reduce plastic, like uh, uh, the Deposit and Return Scheme. Yeah, that should have been there a long time yeah, ago. It's a al- long, long time ago. It's already there in most, in many different countries, in most of Scandinavia. I believe that's one of those many situations where something was proposed a long time ago, but it got delayed a million times for ridiculous that's, bureaucratic reasons. That's it's exactly, such an Irish thing, like you know. Sorry, that's that's exactly what happened because this this bill was actually introduced in the end of twenty seventeen, and it's been delayed all through twenty eighteen. Dennis Nocton has been slowing it down because he says he doesn't want to introduce the bill as it is. He wants to first introduce a pilot scheme of the deposit and return thing in a small area and then if it works there, do it in the rest of the country. There's no need for that. Why it's is all... he going to do a pilot scheme? Because he's, he's trying to hold it up. The whole... Fianna Gael have been installing this bill the whole way along. It's and there's ridiculous. The... All the stuff in it is really basic like the deposit and return scheme that's been shown to be a success in yeah, several different countries. The pilot scheme is like the majority of Europe, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking obvious, do you know? Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. So... I mean, he, he's good. I like I like Dennis Norton. He's funny. He's yeah. Well, he's no longer the minister. He resigned yeah. over some non-story that nobody cared about. Uh, Fair play. Good lad. Good lad. Go away with you now. Off into the fields. Off uh, into the fields. Actually, yeah. We we kind of touched before we moved on to plastic. We sort of touched a bit on the issue of habitat loss and extinction, species extinction, um, which uh, animal farming majorly feeds into, or just not even just animal farming but industrial farming monocrop farming in general yeah. contributes to habitat loss because you're, you're turning whole sweat like areas yeah, of destroying land destroying forests in many places like in Brazil destroying for example forest, you yeah, know yeah. where Bolsonaro has reduced uh, protections for indigenous peoples in areas that would probably be the Amazon so yeah more Amazon destruction on the way there yeah that's just even a side oh, 20, 2018 has been a great barrel of crack altogether folks there's been lots of lots of crazy stuff happening too so what does that mean for us here in Ireland? Well, what how are we doing in terms of our habitats and our species? Well, the the World Economic Forum, I think, sometime in the spring of last year, released the Environmental Performance Index, and Ireland, like, compared to other Ireland countries, Ireland badly. was actually doing all right overall, but we ranked one of the lowest in terms of our biodiversity, uh, and biodiversity is just declining globally in general. Um, 
but that's I mean Ireland has its agricultural you know history to thank for that surely you know yeah we were so dependent on farming for a very long time and that's just a recent thing that has changed that it's no longer it used to be the majority of the population well definitely the largest group of the population would have been driven by farming you know a number of years ago yeah less much less than 100 years less than 50 years or 50 years ago let's say you know yeah um, and what's happened in the meantime is there's less people doing it but there's more land being used so we've got a concentration of wealth and a, a concentration of, of power now. yeah and we need to go like reverse that completely there needs to be more people farming the land in more diverse ways yeah um, but reintroduction of types of forestry I think will be involved in that no that'll be a big part of it yeah, yeah. you know and planting that's lots of trees and they'll start off young but they'll we will let them age and mature and then they will be very uh, healthy for us in the future and have a little you know ecological kind of you know habitats that can also be used for food production some of this will be a little bit of invention and you know a little bit of um, creative thinking but that's a uh, yeah yeah we're actually we're actually going to do an episode on that next month uh to where we'll be talking about uh, the need for increased diversity in food production and food uh, sovereignty. Food sovereignty will be the topic, which is being self reliant as a nation, as a as a bioregion on uh, on our food so, uh, production. But um, Irish independence through food independence. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> actual independence, actual sovereignty, not the bullshit. Material independence, there. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, food will be the new oil. To get back to why this stuff needs to change um, in terms of our, our species loss and, and all that. Uh, just to take one example, and this is an example that, um, that I feel kind of close to for a reason I'll get on to in a minute. Uh, in February, a report came out that the corn crake, which is a, a bird native to Ireland, um, its population has declined for the third year in a row. And the reason that one stuck out for me is because in, I think, the first or second episode of Turning Earth that we did for near FM that me and Craig did years ago was on gold mining and we were looking at uh, Connemara mining doing their exploration for gold up in Donegal and I remember asking him specifically about the corn crake would the exploration impact on the corn crake and he said no um, and I didn't learn until after the interview and I was really pissed off at the time that I didn't know this Indian interview so I could challenge him on it but the type of exploration they do involves digging 20 metre trenches in the middle of fields which is where the corn crakes nest right yeah and uh, they were doing it in an area which is one of the few areas in the country where the corn crake is still kind of just about hanging on, you know, it's doing okay. Yeah. It's become almost non-existent in other parts of the country, but it's still got, you can still find them there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and he's obviously just didn't know or didn't care. And now, like, they, yeah. was, there was something very telling in the language he described the land, and this is just industry jargon, as overburden. You know, an overburden referring to the soil and the, the land where... So many different creatures use it as their home, you know what I mean? Live there and this just, it's overburden. It's not the field, it's not the ground, it's not the grass, it's not the birds, it's not the trees. It's just this thing we need to get out of the way so we can get to the gold, so we can make loads of money selling, you know, feeding off people's vanity. Um, yeah. So it's just not something that the industry is capable of thinking about. Uh, so yeah, the Well, corn money, c- money matters to them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the, the corn crake continues to decline uh, along with... Uh, many other creatures and seagulls and stuff like that um but what i just i'd like to do now before we kind of move on would have a a quick rundown of political happenings from the year 2018 so in february the state announced that it was going to half the review period for large infrastructural projects okay so in other words cut the review period from eight weeks to four weeks to speed things along yeah 
which you think maybe that's a neutral thing, but that can't be a good thing considering they already don't do enough environmental impact statements. They already don't kind of consider no. stuff like that. No, it's not going to be, it turned to be good, no. And then in March, it came out that Leo Varadkar had intervened on Donald Trump's behalf to block a wind farm being constructed near his golf course <laughs> down the country. Yeah, so, that was a great story, yeah. Yeah, so that's... that's good old Leo and Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leo Trump. Of course, you bend over backwards to do stuff for Trump, do you know what I mean? Um, that's an interesting one because... Donald Trump famously doesn't believe in global warming or sea level rise, yet is still paying for a wall to be built around his golf course to protect it from sea level rise. Um, that's something that needs to be done all around Ireland. Yeah. Build, uh, build Maybe sea. he does believe in it. He's just talking crap. You of know? course he does. Of course he does. You'd, you'd want to be a fucking Egypt not to believe in it at this stage. Well, that's the thing. He's either He is a fucking Egypt or... <laughs> he's an actor. He's a reality TV star. He's playing a part. Yeah, yeah. He, all he cares about is short-term game for him. He'll be dead. Yeah. By the time any of this starts to get really bad, he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. care about anyone but himself. So yeah, that happened in March. And then in April, the Citizens' Assembly report came out. There was a Citizens' Assembly on climate change in 2017. Uh, the report recommended a bunch of things, including an increased carbon tax. Um, so that, that, that report came out in April. Um, in that month as well, there was also the first Dublin environmental gathering. that was organised by uh, the Irish Environmental Network and also... The public participation network and that's something i want to draw attention to actually because i only heard about it when i was looking up this stuff the public participation networks they're all over the country and they're basically uh i think any like charity group or club or local group can join it and it's uh, basically a way for the, the general population to, to, to start feed yeah to start feeding into into government action now i don't know how um i don't know how much influence they're going to have but it's something like that i think needs to be it could be a first step if you're wondering what to do in your area about these kinds of things. They yeah, could, They could be somewhere I mean, to check in with, you know. It's on the doorstep, you know, it's on, it's on the local scale. So I always find that's the things that are the most worth putting your time into, you know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and then, sticking with the, poli- the political world for a minute, in July then the Climate Emergency Bill passed, which is to stop, to ban exploration, oil and gas exploration. It was also the month that the Joint Committee on Climate Action was set up. Um, to well, start talking about the recommendations of the Citizens Assembly Am I right in saying it was to stop it from any more licences being given out? Exactly, any more licences being given yeah, out So it doesn't out. stop it completely It doesn't stop current licences Which is why we talked to Not Here and Anywhere last month There's ongoing campaigns against that Indeed. So you can listen to that episode if you want more information and that kind of thing uh, Also in July the Heritage Bill is pa- was passed Which uh, sounds like a good thing when you just see the title But uh, <laughs> what it's basically is they're uh, allowing Right now there's a limited time of the year that you're allowed uh, cut hedges and uh, like trim the kind of the hedgerows around your fields. So they've extended that period now to allow for more of it, um, which is which again we're on the subject of biodiversity. Um, that's going to have a really yeah. negative impact on the the flora and fauna of any area if you allow that thing, kind of thing to increase and the reasons given were for road safety and stuff like that but there, there's other ways around it like that's not so the vanity of humans for outside their houses and all the rest of yeah, it you yeah. know uh, and then in August Fine Gael had a green week which was uh, pretty widely criticised as just greenwashing because it was the same near, near enough the same month where they introduced the heritage bill um, yeah yeah nice timing yeah Nice PR move. Um, and also Dennis Nocton came out that month and said that all our mission plans are failing. Um, so it's it was just, it was, yeah, a PR move, exactly. Uh, yeah, because we're doing very badly just generally in our um, emissions levels overall. 
That's Here's the thing, actually. Yeah, it keeps people keep saying that we're we're not meeting our EU targets, but the EU targets aren't even good enough. Yeah, the EU really targets insuffi- aren't wildly insufficient. Like I think it was in October, um, a document, an EU document was leaked that shows their long term environmental strategy isn't in line with the IPCC. Yeah. So it's not absolutely at all. Yeah, and also, it's becoming increasingly apparent as the IPCC report said in October that even their predictions are falling short of how severe the situation is. So think about how that means that we've got the the gold standard for science, which is proving to be like a little bit too optimistic. That's not even been met by the EU. And then we're not even meeting the EU standards. We're way, 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 way behind. behind, way behind. So, I mean, the stages aren't doing enough. So again, as we were saying in the start, there has been an increase, an increased appetite for action amongst a greater number of people. So to keep that up. Yeah, now it becomes how we can kind of concrete put concretely put pressure on to do make certain policy decisions, you know. Yeah, but there are good examples of of, pol- of be- policies being followed other parts of the world, which we'll get to. So you know, there's potential for for change here once we can force the political will. That's um, basically the thing we have got to affect. It's political will. So in terms of uh, how do we do that, I I would draw inspiration from various places, but um such as the indigenous resistance against Bolsonaro in Brazil, the indigenous people resisting pipelines and stuff like that in the States. But also a bit closer to home, we've had the Yellow Vest movement in France, which was initially kind of blew up in response to uh, a hike in diesel prices. Uh, so some and then pe- it kind of snowballed into a bigger thing. Just a general anti-state, anti-state protest. Pretty um, much, but uh, for like um, reasons of not being able to live easily and like not being able to live well and just you know being just completely run down, you know. But also recently, you know, the yellow vests in France were d- demanding uh, action on climate, so uh, for the government to take more yeah. policies that were going to uh, address climate change, you know. Yeah. Though we were told before that by right wing media elements that the, by right wing media elements that they were. Um, uh, an anti-environmentalist movement which was just them hijacking it of course you yeah, know yeah. and intentionally misinterpreting everything that has See, happened the problem with the although there, there there is kind of bills and stuff being passed in the Irish state and other states the problem with it is that they all want to maintain the business as usual model and they want to pass the cost of dealing with the crisis onto the population as they do with everything because yeah. they are operating under a neoliberal economic model uh, a capitalistic model of government where um the finance is all getting pushed upwards and concentrated in a smaller number of people and it's the population are expected to, to deal with the problem financially and that's what the LVS protest is about basically similar to the anti-water charges protest here you know I would have always yeah. characterised that as an environmentalist protest because it was against water taxes it was against water privatisation and yeah. water privatisation is worse ecologically than it would be potentially yeah. a huge disaster yeah yeah Um, but something I <laughs> I want to talk about the Irish yellow vests as little as possible because it's just kind of they kind of look like cosplayers to me. It's a bit embarrassing. Um, yeah. But so, so the reason why that's why it is a bit of a joke is because they've basically just taken the the look of the revolution without the substance of the revolution. Because what needs to be understood about the yellow vests in France is there's a tradition in France of wrecking the place whenever the government step out of line. Yeah. Like they 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 they, they have no trouble rioting and protesting en masse and dis- properly causing disruption if um, if the state do something they don't like yeah, and we don't people. have that here and you have the yellow vest going like we're peaceful protest blah 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 yeah. it's like missing the point completely you know yeah I mean that that, that whole 
fascination with having to look peaceful and look like it. Well, I don't know why people think that's effective. It's it it clearly isn't. So I, d- I think it's more just like to justify being able to protest because we're we're being peaceful kind of thing. You know, yeah. we're not hurting anybody, sort of thing. You know. Do you think it's because we were colonized? That might have something to do and with we it. Don't, yeah. You're afraid to be seen to step out of line. Yeah, it probably has a lot to do with that, and I don't know if like fear of death is something to do with it as well or not. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if you know the fear of like. I don't know, not but wanting to be. It's, pro- it's probably yeah. It's be it's being compliant. I think it's being pliant and being mm-hmm. like, do what the do what the master tells you kind of situation. Yeah. I think, but you know, it, there's probably a bit more to it than that. But I think that's going in the right um, yeah. general tra- trajectory. But the, like, the, I don't think there's net, like I'm not going to make any analysis of whether it's right or wrong the attitude that we take. But the point is, there's no point just copying the yellow vests. Yeah. and it's something that we a lot that happens in a lot of other places as well that we copy things from other places like I, I would like criticise lots of things that I've seen you know years of being involved in different campaigns and seeing like lefties the culture that we take uh, is also from America do you know what I mean and just yeah, copied yeah. from I'm, well, okay different country not France America mm. but like or from England do you know what I mean like yeah, we yeah. copy a lot of our concepts from England rather than developing something homegrown ourselves we don't have this like self-belief we, we have to import everything we physically import everything and we we figuratively import all mm. different concepts as well because we're too small we think to yeah. to to do something kind of homegrown but i think we'd be more effective if we did something that was more you developed do, specifically for us you know you do something that's needed in your own environment your own immediate environment your own ecosystem yeah absolutely you yeah. know and our, our sociological and human environment as well you know yeah so uh, because we can think for ourselves even though we're small you know yeah. we don't speak English all the time um, Coop the fuckle <laughs> the, so just to bring it briefly back to France though talking about the, the culture that just generally exists there another example of that which wouldn't have been touched upon so much by the mainstream news or actually at all by the mainstream news here is there's a place in Brittany near Nantes called Lazade in French it means a zone, defend, zone to defend um, yes you were updating me about them earlier yeah, politicians refer to it as land lost to the republic um, and what it is is basically it's an area of land that's been uh, the centre of an anti-airport protest for the last several decades the, the airport project was first put forward in the 70s it was resisted by locals and then the last 7 or 8 years it's been joined by uh, uh, activists and anarchists and uh, autonomists coming and squatting the land to resist the airport but also to maintain the sort of traditional ecological and sustainable farming practices that have existed there for the last uh, couple of hundred years because because the the, the land was re- fenced off for the airport the land wasn't the the farming didn't become as industrialized as it did in other parts of the country so there's this a more sustainable kind of model exists there um and what happened majorly with that early in the years there was an, another the airport project was defeated it's not going to happen but they still want to yeah, I was going to say since the 70s I didn't realise it was that long I mean obviously it was meant to be finished by what the sometime in the 80s originally or something. no it did get shelled for a few years because there was no money for it and here's the thing ah. the airport, it's totally unnecessary the Nantes the airport that already exists in Nantes is twice the size of Heathrow and it has half the air traffic going through it there's no need for a new airport it's a vanity project Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a vanity project of uh, I think the previous Prime Minister used to be the Mayor of Nantes and he was like it was his baby kind of thing so it was just not to lose face um, there's actually no it'll be no benefit to the nation to have another airport there there's no need for it at all um, so that they, 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 the state the states say they've stopped the project but they're also then they were trying to evict the squatters 
So who knows what had happened if they did manage to evict it? Would they actually have stopped the project? Who knows? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, that resistance or the, the eviction was successfully resisted in the springtime of 2018, which is there's been several eviction attempts over the years where thousands upon thousands of riot cops descend upon it and uh, people have been severely injured and homes destroyed and you know parts of the forest destroyed by a riot police trying to evict them. But they were unsuccessful because people kept going back, kept rebuilding it, it's just it's it's been unstoppable and they're still there and they're still going strong and they're still maintaining their uh, their own infrastructure it's kind of a, it's a non-state within the state I've heard the phrase temporary autonomous zone it's a, an autonomous kind of area yeah, yeah. and as, the, as again that's a direct quote from a French politician that it's land lost to the republic the rules of the land don't apply there yeah. it's self self-reliant because there's enough people that have come there over time to get something going yeah. that like can't be just easily contained yeah so that's the kind of culture that exists in France where stuff like that do happen so that's why the yellow vests were so powerful there and are just kind of a like a drawing a sketch of a movement here you know um, stuff do happen alright but uh uh, so th- that's definitely a positive sense like a great positive thing to be I didn't realise yeah. I didn't realise that the airport didn't stop till you told me that earlier well it stopped for now anyway and uh, the Zad is still there the Zad, the Zad persists and remains and fair the Zad no the Zad no we also have uh, many things we want to talk about relation into the sea I was having a quick looking up about uh, Providence Resources who we know from uh they have there's been a ban on new um licenses for oil uh, exploration off the coast of Ireland but existing ones will still be allowed to operate and there was an existing license for a well called Bally Rose referred to 50 kilometers south from the southern tip i think off cork of ireland but they've had to they've had to reapply uh they've had to reapply for permission recently and I don't know I'm not sure how they get allowed to do for do that because it was uh, it was a challenge by Antashka so Antashka we talk about sometimes they do reasonably good things and they've challenged their um, ability to drill in this area for, on, on legal grounds so but somehow they get this workaround now uh, um uh, Providence because they can just reapply for permission and they're allowed to reapply for it even though like it's supposed to be no longer allowed. Mm. So um, I don't know how they get to get away with that. Does it, does it, it just maybe think there's always these loopholes. You know, you think this law that comes out that's really successful, like we've banned this, we've banned you, license exploration, but what does it translate to concretely? Because there's so many loopholes that you get through. It's like such a corrupt, it's a, such a systemically corrupt country when that kind of thing is allowed to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's very frustrating. So you get this win and then you realise later on, what do we actually achieve, you know? Hmm. So um, that was a little update on Providence and what they've been doing. In 2018, to the Irish in terms state of, the, of affairs, the state of the sea. Uh, in February of last year, the Irish Wildlife Trust released a report that uh, 48% of Irish marine life is in the red, is facing extinction. Uh, I think Cornell University, sometime around the same time, released a report on the coral reefs that they're uh, they're being bleached and dying out because of plastic and other pollutants. But there's also there's been and again an increase in action against overfishing. Um, a major problem is that super trawlers are allowed to operate in the oceans in Ireland and elsewhere and uh, I'd like just to suck in the sea dry of fish basically just yeah vacuuming Hoovering. fish from the, from the, from the sea um, I don't know how anyone can look at that and not realise that that's going to kill us if we keep doing it but uh, yeah well, there won't be any fishies left won't uh, be very healthy then will we no Another report came out in March about the the green sea turtle. This is just one example of a, a species that's that's close to dying out. 
because of increased sea temperature uh. um, 99% of their population is now female the temperature of this of the sea right with the green sea turtle um, is a factor in whether or not they are born where the eggs where they become female or male okay if the, the warmer the sea the more female hatchlings there are right um, so 99% of the population is now female which means the population is going to decline rapidly because there's not enough breeding males um, so that that's because of the heat of the ocean but also they're dying at an increased rate because of plastic pollution and discarded fishing nets they're getting caught in the nets they're choking on the plastic and they're dying no. um, and that's just the green sea turtle so there's plenty of other examples of species that are going through similar um, similar trials uh, because of human action Um because of actually not because of human action because of, I know yeah because of human action driven by the ideal ideology of capitalism which is endless growth endless consumption endless production yeah mass production mass yeah. um, catching in this case mass production of plastic is that like in that sense production of plastic as in throwing plastic away rather than manufacturing it yeah so there's a huge problem to be dealt with there and it it is it being it's being tackled little by little in May the Irish Wildlife Trust and who the fuck's that now I can't read my own notes that's that's a good sign folks um, well the Irish Wildlife Trust and somebody else uh, <laughs> uh, Bird, Birdwatch Ireland that's who it was they, they recommended to the government that they ban trawling ban super trawlers um, there's an increased movement against that generally um, and recently the state did announce that they're going to ban trawlers but only six nautical miles off the coast of Ireland so that'll be good for uh, for fishing communities on the coast make things a little bit better but it's not going to solve the ultimate problem because further off the coast in Irish waters trawlers are still allowed to operate um, oh and this is a good one actually the same month that that recommendation was made Irish water were caught dumping raw untreated sewage oh. off the coast of Cork and Clare lovely Um so yeah, it's, and actually down in that neck of the woods in Bantry Bay as well, another campaign that's developed over the year uh, has been a campaign against that, the industrial scale harvesting of kelp in uh, off the Bantry Bay coast. I think there's a campaign called... That's a bit of a new thing, isn't it? Called, I think they're called Protect Our Native Kelp Forest or something like that. But uh, basically, yeah, the state have licensed for the first time ever that um, they've let this company, Bio Atlantis, they've given them a license to industrially harvest kelp so to harvest kelp on a, on, a, on a large scale off the coast and um that's that it'd be a really bad precedent if that was allowed to go to head go ahead because not obviously it'd be really bad for bantry bay for the habitat there yeah as we said 48 percent of our marine life faces extinction they live in kelp forests they live in seaweed forests off the coast you know much of them so it'll um, be their habitat gone yeah yeah and so but if that was allowed to go ahead there's so many communities human communities around the coast to still use seaweed you still harvest seaweed for small for a person a sustainable use, pattern yeah for yeah exactly giving it time to to reproduce itself yeah. which is the major problem with all this stuff with the trawling with the industrial scale agriculture is you're not giving the earth time to to reproduce what we need actually actually that's something as well it, it there's a thing called earth overshoot day have you ever heard of that yes so I that's the that. that's the if you can calculate how much fresh water, how much food, how much air we need in a year and how long it takes that to to renew itself. Uh, there's a certain date each year which we pass 
we pass our yearly they allowance. They basically overshoot our, our usage of resources, overshoots the ability of resources exactly. to reproduce themselves. And that's been getting earlier in the year each year. Um, I think it was in October this year that we saw that was four months of... We're, 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 that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It's getting, but it's, get, it's getting... That's since the... I think since the early 70s, it's gone from being... We're actually given the earth time to replenish and then started to rapidly decline. So it's, it's happening really fast. Um, That's not good. I'm scared. Yeah, it's bad, bad times. <laughs> it's not all bad, so but it ain't all good. We're starting to get kind of big picture now, which I suppose brings us on to the sky. sky. So the what's been going on? And it's, there's a system of down lyric in there somewhere, folks, but we'll figure that one out and come back to it. Uh, so what do we need to talk about here what's what's been happening this year in terms of uh, emissions in the sky and... do you know what I've been very impressed with them um, in Madrid it's been an ongoing thing it was already the case that they ha- they've had this restriction going on for a while on um, on even days or odd days or a one day registrations with an even uh, rending an even registration number would be allowed into the city only and not odd and then the next day would be the opposite so half the cars would be allowed in to Madrid city centre like basically the city okay. centre of Madrid so it'll be like Thursday. That sounds be... very confusing. It's uh, I didn't explain it very well. <laughs> the other way, your your thing, your address, your registration would end in a number. Yeah. And so if it's odd or even, then you'd be allowed to go either Thursday or Friday, Monday. Oh, no, I get I get you know. that. It just sounds like a very very confusing thing to actually enforce. Uh, well, would they do it? They do it, you know. But it became a necessity. Do you know what started happening is that um, trees started. So, well, this is amongst many other things, you know. But just as an example, you know, trees in this big park. I forget the name of the park, but really central, important, big park in Madrid. They suddenly just collapsed and just died, and they're like it was quite mysterious. They didn't understand why. But the best guess that was yeah. given as to what was happening is that the air is so polluted. Yeah, there probably are more complex reasons than that. Also, but that was decreased rainfall. All sorts of things, yeah. But yeah. just suddenly these trees just that have been there for a very long time, you know, just dying, you know. So they're taking a lot of action, but the, that was an existing thing that was already in place. But just in the last couple of months, they've, they've gone even further now in Madrid. They have um, petrol cars that are registered before 2000 and diesel cars that are res- registered before 2006 will be banned from a particular area in downtown Madrid. So now, that, that, I mean, I can understand the point of that because older cars are more inefficient than newer cars but again that's an example of um whose lifestyle are you you facilitating there because i mean that's a good idea if they also put money into public transport and stuff like that but something that comes up a lot here in mainstream discussions in ireland is that in order to contact air to to counteract air pollution we need to do so many different things and one of them is that more people need to drive electric cars but how many people can afford to actually get an electric car or how many people can afford to get a car that's new enough to be allowed to be used? So, like, it's definitely. I think it's. I think it's on balance a good thing, but we need to think about like. Eat the rich. Yeah, we could. Yeah, okay, let's, let's do <laughs> that's that. That's a bit an exaggeration, but you get the point I'm making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, we should um, rob from the rich and give to the poor and be economic and um, ecological Robin Hoods. That I mean, that would be the quickest solution. Do you know what I mean? Like expropriate um, that stuff. But just if if we want to actually, I mean, the problem with all these measures is they're all half measures, and they're like they're good. They're steps in the right direction. But like, what we need is just less cars in general, more buses, more trains, sure. less cars, more trams, less cars. Do you have know you I mean? seen? Have you seen though the pollution just over Madrid, over a city like that, as you're coming into it? I mean, air pollution is really bad it's all over nasty. all over the world. It's actually there's loads of stuff that's come out in that this year of like the increase in air pollution 
especially ammonia and nitrous oxide. There was uh, a report com- coming out actually in the last year, I think I believe so as well, that like the effect that it has on the human brain, especially kids, they're growing like air pollution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just freaked out because I, I have a two-year-old son. So that made me very just like anxious and just, ah, no, yeah, air yeah. pollution. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's making it harder, harder for us to think clearly. Yeah. Um, vicious cycle. Yeah. That is definitely bad for the sky. Um, but in terms of in the big picture stuff, it's, it was a tumultuous year, pretty literally in terms of extreme weather. Uh, so just looking at here in Ireland, we had, back in January, earlier in the year, we had Stone Melon or severe flooding uh, in the West, especially where there was like pretty poor response to it in terms of dealing with it. Yeah, we had um, we had drought in summer. Uh, we had two months of drought in the summer, Storm Emma, the so-called beast from the East. Um, a report came out in March from the World Meteorological Organization saying 2017 was the most expensive year ever in terms of extreme weather damage. Um, uh, then another report came out in April from the EASAC, which is the European Academy's Science Advisory Council or something like that, that extreme weather has increased steadily over the last four decades. Um, it's You can see it with your own eyes as well, in fairness. You can see the upward tra- trajectory of it. It's not this stuff never happened, but I mean, it's just becoming commonplace now all of a yeah. sudden. Then it was in March in NUI Minute report came out that 2006-2016 were the wettest and stormiest years on record in Ireland. Um, so that's what the winter and autumns have been like and were like last year. But then in, I think was it was June, July or July, August, we were officially in drought for two months. Yeah, um, crazy stuff. Uh, the hottest, in Ireland. Yeah, in Ireland. The hottest temperature ever recorded in Ireland was recorded in June in Shannon Airport, 32 degrees Celsius. It was also the hottest month on record. Uh, in the same month, Minister Sean Kine, Sean Kine voiced his support for oil and gas exploration. Um, and the Climate Action Network ranked Ireland second in terms of uh, action on the climate. Uh, that all happened in the same month. Because of the aforementioned passes, we give ourselves in agriculture yeah. and other things. We just don't need to follow the rules. Yeah. We're special. Yeah, it was, around the, it was around the time as well that the Irish Environmental Protection Agency, who are not a radical organisation, by the way, are very conservative, yeah, yeah. actually. Um, they released a report that our commission, our, sorry, our emissions are climbing and will continue to climb past 2020, uh, which goes against everything that we should be doing for the sake. Disgrace. Uh, Disgrace. It's totally our space. Various different reports came out showing that the, the heat waves experienced, not just in Ireland, but all over Europe, uh, were made twice as likely because of climate change. Yeah. Um, the heat waves we saw elsewhere caused deaths increased risk periods in, there, was heat, there was wildfires in Sweden <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean like, but that was in summer was it yeah Sweden gets quite warm in the summer you know yeah yeah but that this, but, yeah. there was like, unprecedented levels of wildfires and in California as well the huge wildfires um, they've also got very little ozone there in Sweden you know and then in in August there was a day where we had one month rain in, in a single afternoon oh um, dear and the same report, month, a report came out from the World Meteorological Organization showing that extreme weather is increasing because of climate change. Um, again, not a radical organization, quite a conservative organization. Uh, and talking about air quality as well, uh, air quality is declining all over Europe, but a report came out by um, a, a, an NGO based in Brussels called it Transport and Environment or something like that. They released a report showing that spending one weekend in Dublin was the equivalent of smoking one cigarette, and they were comparing basically spending time in different cities to how many fast cigarettes. So spending a weekend in London, for example, is two point seven five cigarettes. So, but think about that though. Think about that for us who live in Dublin. 
Yeah, yeah. How many fags are we smoking just by walking in the streets? Just by I mean? being alive. Yeah, yeah. But then good recommendations were made to the government in September that uh, the or to met Aaron that they should start giving climate change information with the weather reports. Uh, like the yeah, world, mainstream that shit. because like, that's the big question coming out to me now is because there's so much information about how severe this is. Why is it not in the news every day? Why is it not on the weather every day? Why is it not? Why aren't these links being? Yeah, made the time constantly? for hiding is over, and I think it's now. It'll be. It won't be an unpopular move to put those things in mainstream them and put them up on the screen more often. If anything, it'll be like embraced. I think. Yeah, yeah. But that's the stage we're at now. That which is the positives we talked about earlier. Coming back to the positives again. Yeah, as we said earlier, it, it does seem like there's yeah, more awareness and more action. And as you put it to me, I think that we're kind of through the denial phase. Yeah, we're in a new psychological era now in terms of human-caused climate change. And we know it's human-caused. We believe, we, we, the majority of people seem to believe that it's human-caused and therefore we can actually do something about it. Yeah. Action can be taken. We just need to move on to the next stage of forcing political will at the top levels. And and just taking action ourselves, I think, because it's this the state are not doing enough and they're taking far too much time and we don't have the time. They don't upset the apple cart, but that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. So, you know, might as well just get on with it essentially. Yeah, no more no more half measures. Let's just do things. But I think a big a big part of it is that when people talk when these problems are discussed by politicians, by T V personalities, uh it's always looked at financially. Do you know what I mean? And on the yeah. one hand, putting the putting the price tag on things can be a way of showing people how severe it's going to be and how severe it is. But we need to stop asking like what's good for the market. I start asking what's good for the planet because when you when you start looking at what's good for the planet, it's what's good for our ecosystem. It's what's good for our region, for our country, for our neighbourhood, and for ourselves and the people we love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it can be danger. It can be it can be dangerous to measure it with money. You know. Yeah, you need to talk about like just the quality of life and just being able to live normally without like living as a we all be like permanent like ecological refugees essentially. Do you know what I mean? In the sense yeah, of not yeah. being able to live anywhere because everything will just be we just you know not surviving. It's a survival. It's as simple as that. Like yeah, keep it simple. You know because as we said, we're through the denial phase more or less. Some people still question how severe it is. Yeah, but the majority but, don't. You know, yeah. I think. But what we need to be yeah, I would say so. But. Uh, what I would like to remind people like that is that people, a lot of people seem to not trust the likes of the EU or the, e, the UN or different like academic bodies who are behind all this research. But what needs to be pointed out is that everything they've said was going to happen. What's actually happened has been much worse. Yeah. So they've been playing it too safe in terms of their predictions. Um, we've actually affected things even worse than they thought. We're already coming very close to the worst case possible scenario. Uh, with each passing day, there's um there's kind of less opportunity for for actually reversing the damage. What's we've been done, done already? What's yeah. been done so far? Yeah. So we just need to act now. That's all we need. That like there's no and yeah, forcing political will, forcing the state, yeah. but not just that because they're too slow. And um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there, like, there are lots of examples of ways we can do them all at the same time. But uh, but it does have to be about the big picture, and we do have to. It needs to be a mass movement behind it all, because like like you, like you were saying earlier, Leo Varadkar is talking about eating less meat, as usual, drawing attention to the individual lifestyle changes. I saw a very annoying ad a while ago as well, from the Sustainable Energy Authority, and it was um, oh turn your 
turn your thermometer down one degree to say the power of one blah 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 yeah, yeah all that shit which is like just it's negative yeah there's no point in focusing on that it's not going to do anything it's a distraction essentially you know yeah. and that's why the state are too slow I think regardless of what party is in power the state is always going to be too slow because it, most of the politicians want to maintain business as usual they don't want to disrupt they're too afraid to do things that are disruptive because it'll upset their lobbyists business interests and industrial interests but the businesses we can't keep up business as usual we, things need to change drastically now yesterday do you know what I mean yeah do so, it now just because some gains have been made basically I don't think there's any room to kind of step back no of course not the keep pressure, pushing keep, increase the pressure and keep pushing and, and use sports analogies yeah <laughs> but um, these things are all possible Yes. They're very, very possible. They're within our grasp, but it, it, it's going to take... And it'll be good for us and we'll enjoy it, you know? Yeah. It's going to take mass movement to people to meet our own needs. So, um, we have some really juicy episodes that we're working on at the moment as well. Juicy. Juicy, juicy, juicy here. Including juicy food sovereignty. And it will be the reenactment uh, of Irish independence through food independence. Our, our next episode will be on food sovereignty all right uh, the one then in March we will do will be on climate change and mental health and uh, beyond that we haven't planned any things out specifically but there's a few different topics we'd like to cover including um, what potential effect trade unions could have on uh, increasing climate action uh, I'd like to do another, a couple of episodes on the science of climate change so actually explaining getting into the, how our action actually affects the climate yeah, we've got a good few topics to get stuck into in the year ahead, which we're looking forward to quite a bit. Uh, I'd like to do something on overfishing as well at some stage. Um, Fishing is a very contentious political one as well, so yeah, yeah. there's a lot to dig into there. A lot yeah. to dig into. And also one on forestry. We've never done really specifically on forestry, which we should is an important one, so we should do that at some stage as well. We should. Something that needs a lot of like improvement in Ireland, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, 2018 was... A wild roller coaster ride, but I came out of it with a bit of a positive spin just overall. So um, I hope you all do too, folks, because we are doing incredible things, incredible things this year. 2018 was the best year. I made it the greatest year. Um, thanks, Donald. Um, <laughs> and thanks, Eric. Uh, so uh, we leave it that, I suppose. Um, so, as usual, if there's anything that came up in this episode that you want to talk about more, please, please email us or message yeah. us. You can email at turningearthradio at gmail.com. Any feedback is appreciated, uh, you know, or criticisms or challenges or questions or whatever the hell, you know, we can put stuff up on the air, air, quotation marks there, fingers up, up in the air there. Up in the air, and fingers <laughs> in the air. <laughs> like you just don't. Um, right, shall we leave it at that? And we talk, shall. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Until the next episode. <laughs>